welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I am joined by Sajila Kershey, comedian and writer. Welcome to the Divorce Club. Oh, thanks for having me, Divorce Club. <laughs> very excited <laughs> to be here. You're you're very welcome as a member. So, how does that feel when I say to you, "You are divorced"? Well, I, ex- I expected to come onto the soundtrack of Tammy Wynette, the I V O R C E, um, but no, I don't. I don't actually consider myself divorced because I think I wasn't technically officially married so that's why it's sort of a weird thing although I do say you know ex-husband because that would then lend itself to saying that it is a divorce so I had um I had an arranged marriage if you said it were but where we, it was a matchmaking it was kind of like it's kind of tinder but Asian parents tinder so Asian parents are tinder and they swipe for you <laughs> and and so they useful yeah yeah uh and and so they kind of set me up well it wasn't just it was my mum and one of her friends had set me up with someone. Interestingly enough, um, I had a friend at the time that said, oh, you know, don't go through this. I've got someone's perfect for you. Let me introduce you to him. Um, and then I forgot about what she'd said and went with this guy who I met with family, both families there. We dated for a couple of years, you know, like regular couples dating. Um, and then when I had my engagement party, my friend turned up and she said, you're not going to believe it. He's the one. I was going to introduce you to. So, you know, what is an arranged marriage? Because obviously that she would have matchmaked us and it would have been the same. So I just thought, oh God, it's the, it's fate. It's, he's the one. He's the one I'm supposed to be with. Um, and we we had an Islamic ceremony um, where the the holy man, the, 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 the you know, the, the Mulvi or the, I'm trying to think the official term now for him, um, he... Um, he basically said initially, well, we don't need to ask her because what happens is the boys in one room and the girls in the other room. And it's got to be very, very dramatic. And I really got into the setting of it all where you have to cry. You've got your veil over your head and and they ask you, do you take this man um, and three times uh, just to make sure that, you know, you're not lying or, or, or you know, and the rule of three, because obviously the third one's supposed to be the punchline. Um, and I am. Um, so, he, you know, you're supposed to ask and I, I had all prepared like because you're supposed to, my mum said, don't say yes quickly. Don't say yes, yes, yes quickly. Just take your time. You know, X factors, what judges like, you know, drum roll. 
do you say yes to this man? And it just keep them waiting, hanging. And uh, she goes, I know what you like. You're so needy. Just <laughs> say yes quickly. Um, but the, the guy, he said, well, no, we're not going to ask her because she wouldn't be here if we were. She wasn't going to say yes. Now, Islamically, you're supposed to ask the bride because. And, and he said, no, 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 no need. She's, 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 you know, she's obviously going to say yes. And then my uncle went ballistic. And he goes, no, you're going to ask her. That's, you know, that's kind of the, the way it should be done. And then um, we were supposed to go make it legal, go through the registry part of it. And because my father died like just not so long ago uh, before I got married, I was really reluctant to do that because I didn't want to lose my name because it was the last thing I had left of my dad. And I just wanted my dad's name. And I, and I just something about like having to lose that name. I couldn't bear it. I just couldn't. I wasn't. I've already lost him. I couldn't lose that last thing of him. So I kind of kept putting it off. Um, and he was like, well, why don't you? And then, and, and in, you know, I'd still be writing Sajila Kershey. And then he was quite upset that I wasn't using his name. So I, I compromised and used double barrel. Um, but it was just because I simply, there's nothing nasty or vicious about it. It's just, I didn't want to lose my dad's name. It wasn't like even, I can't even tell you from a feminist point of view, it was like, no, I, I get to keep my name. I get to keep my name. And I was just like, well, my dad's name. Um, and yeah, so we, when we split up, there, there isn't really any official, like Islamically, you, you, the way you could do it is just say, I divorce you three times. Um, and, and it's the done deal. So, I mean, obviously it's really bad modern day divorce because if it's like drunk dialing, it's like, I'll divorce you. And I'll turn another text of a few minutes like, I'll divorce you. And the third one, you know, it's so I don't think though Islamically you wouldn't be allowed to drink anyway. So kind of like a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've said I want a divorce before I got divorced a lot of times in arguments. Yeah, well, there you go. You see, that, that, so, so if you said yeah, it three times, yeah. And it's like, uh-oh, that was the third time you've, we've had an argument. You've said that. Oh, my God, we're divorced. <laughs> yeah. So I think you're supposed to have witnesses around. But anyway, you can divorce by text, which is, I mean, that's the ultimate dumping, isn't it? Like, you don't just dump someone by text, but you divorce them by text. That's awful. I had an uncle who wrote a letter uh, uh, to someone who just said, uh, you know, uh, and it was in French, just you désolé, and then je divorce, je divorce, one of three times. And it was like, oh, that's just such a shitty break up of a relationship so we didn't oh my god you know, so neither was, imagine if it got lost in the past i know and it's and then you go around thinking you're still married and yes you know um but no i mean it wasn't it, it, so we there's no official divorce is what i'm trying to say because there was no official what it feels like a, a wedding because until we had the registry it wasn't nearly legal um which son you're still you're still born out of love if you're listening <laughs> you were still born out of love so yeah it, it, it's that's but you still had the ceremony yes. and yeah. the sort of ramp up of the organizing the wedding and all of that so it's just that you didn't sign that legal document yeah but yeah so I I am um, it was very painful though I have to say it wasn't it wasn't an easy breakup it was ex extremely painful um but I'm going to let you ask me some questions because I feel like I'm doing all yeah. the talking. No, this is great. So I, I feel like I can really relate to the name thing, though, because my dad died. So I had a registry office wedding so that my dad could be there. So we kind of moved it up so, and had it near his care home at the time because he was ill. Um, so that was the official wedding. And then we had the big planned wedding. Um, almost a year later and he died by that point. And I remember always thinking that I was going to take my new husband's name. But when my dad died, I realised it was just me and my sister, you know, and so there was no traditional man to continue the, the name line. And I realised all of a sudden how important my surname was to me. And I guess as a performer as well, I'd always been under that name and and I think it was a point of contention for my ex that he wanted. I used to wear these sparkly necklaces on stage that say Baines. And at the wedding, he bought me a necklace that said his surname on it. So it was very like, and it was all a joke, but it was very like, you're changing your name. I think in the end, I only changed my name on my Tesco club card. <laughs> before we got divorced so it was quite easy yeah. to change it back you know you, you made a commitment <laughs> your tesco club card is actually quite heavy duty yeah i mean it's hard it's, it is hard to change your tesco club card name i'll tell you that 
<laughs> so, um, so I can relate to the dad thing. I think it's interesting that we both got married at a time when, you know, our dads had recently passed away. How do you think that affected your kind of mindset going into getting married? Well, it's interesting because they say that you marry your fathers and, um, and I, I remember like I've explored all this in, in like stand up shows. Um, and I, I realized because my dad was an absent father. So uh, he wasn't, you know, and I never saw that he left my mum. I felt like he left me personally. And so I had a narrative, I guess, in terms of taking it into relationships where daddy's left me. So no man's ever going to leave me. And I would always be the person who would end it. And if I even got like a tiny hint that they might, <clears throat> you know, have gone off me, um, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't, I don't know, maybe they said something about my cooking. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, he's going off me, he's going off me. I'll dump him, you know, um, and because I just didn't want to be, I did not want to be the one that was deserted or, or left because that pain of my dad leaving was so deep that even now, actually, I mean, I don't, I've chosen to be single now and I, I choose not to have relationships, um, but I fall in love with people I genuinely fall in love with people and I still have issues around like bereavement or people leaving my life. And I really, it just gave me a you know, terrible heartache. Um, so that was that narrative when, until he died, until he died. And then when he died, I somehow, um, again, I've covered it in, in previous shows, took responsibility for his death that uh, I hadn't I'd misunderstood him. I hadn't been there, you know, or, we hadn't fixed this kind of complicated relationship. And so I felt I deserved to be punished for, the, you know, that because I'd, I'd got it wrong. And I think that went into my relationships where, for, for previously where I just acted like a prima donna, you know, <laughs> and and expected, you know, everyone to worship me uh, and, and I should leave them if they didn't. Um, I now was someone who would allow people to treat me badly, you know, um, so it changed and I thought being unhappy was my punishment for getting it wrong with my dad. And then what, what changed it was when I got pregnant with my son and um, I was three months pregnant and I went to Pakistan to uh, to a wedding. And on the course of that trip, uh, I was held with my family members. I was held hostage by an extremist group um, at gunpoint and there's like yeah, three or four of us, you know, my aunts, all in different stages of pregnancy. Um, one of one of my aunts, she's got a baby who's about who starts crying, and the two gunmen get like really panicked, um, and one of them just pulls the trigger and shut her up. And I'm like, look, please, please, look, calm down. Th you know, it's it's normal for a baby to cry in this area. Just don't do anything. Please don't do anything. The baby's carrying on crying, um, and he's shaking. He's he's, he's gonna like you know. I just think, oh my god, he's gonna shoot this baby. Um, she puts her under her, her top and starts breastfeeding and the baby shuts up and thankfully it was okay. But what that happened was, you know, there's, there's a long story and I've have covered it in, a, in, in previous shows, but um, when that ended, there was this kind of feeling that I'm trapped in this situation and I'm not happy. And I felt that kind of like, I've got to go back. I'm not in the right place. I'm not happy. And part of it, I think, was bereavement for my dad loss, you know, that I wasn't really, hadn't really got over that. And partly was that this wasn't what I expected it to be. Because the thing is, like, don't, nobody gives you a handbook on marriage. And I remember thinking, getting up every morning and thinking, oh, this is it. It's a bit boring, isn't it, really? Um, <laughs> it was just all, it's almost it's a bit more fun than this. And nobody tells you marriage isn't, you know, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing. And, and um, and I'm always fascinated by other people's marriages, you know, like when people speak, like they become gatekeepers, like, oh, oh, you know, I, 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 they pick up the phone for their partner. It's like, no, she's not here. Uh, no, she doesn't want to talk to you. And you can hear her in the background. And you're like, <laughs> why are you talking for her? Why are you talking for her? And you hear it the other way around. And it's just like, I don't get that. I don't get where, where, have, where have you become so joined together that you've lost your identity? Now, I know that a lot of people will be listening thinking, well, that's what marriage is and it's beautiful, it's perfect. No, it's not. I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to become a human centipede with my husband joined together, <laughs> sharing the same food and feces. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be my own person. Um, and I guess I was losing myself. And I don't know about you, but when you lost your dad, um, 
there's a part of you, a huge part, especially when, it, you know, in my case, when there was a complicated relationship where you don't know who you are anymore. You just kind of, you've lost this massive big part of you. And I'm not sure that trying to replace that with a, with a partner, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't, it didn't, it didn't bring me solace. And the only thing that actually brought me solace from that grief was finally when I had my son. Um, but I left my husband when I was three months pregnant. So I came back from that trip and I just thought, this is not, I can't, I can't, I can put this up. I can put up with this unhappiness for me, but this, and I can't even tell you that we were fighting. It's not like we were fighting all the time. It was something, something a lot worse than verbal fighting, shouting. It's the silence and you keep it all inside. And that actually is so incredibly painful lonely place because you're not actually even because all the time I'm shouting and screaming and I, I'm, I'm okay because I'm actually expelling all of that but when you turn it all inside and I think he did the same thing you know neither of us could actually address what was happening and and it was just slowly dying and it was painful and it was awful and so you know one morning I got up and I packed three pairs of knickers into my handbag uh I think they were, yeah, it was, I know it was, it was red, black and white. I've no idea what that symbolizes. Um, and I left and I knew that I was never going to go back. Um, I phoned my mum and I said, look, you know, I've left him. If, can I come home? If I can't, I'm going to go somewhere. You won't hear from me again, but don't try and make me go back. I know it's over. And that's what it was. And with, with the thing is with, with arranged marriages and stuff, you know, you don't just marry the man, you marry the family and, and I guess that's that you're nodding your head. So I'm thinking, yeah, you probably kind of recognise that as well, because you, you, you know, you and and I think left to our own devices, maybe we might have made it, but because you've got two, two fat the families, the families, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know dot cotton family. Oh, it wasn't dot cotton, was it? Like who used to say family from EastEnders? Um, but it, it, it's it's it, it just became difficult. And if I'm honest, just like I waited for my dad when he left us as a you know to go and pursue his political career back in Pakistan just like that or just like when he died I waited for him to come into my dreams because somebody told me that your the spirits can see you in your dreams and I waited for that dream for him to come if I'm absolutely honest even though I chose to leave I waited probably five years for him to kind of I don't know be different come back make it work and nobody tells you that that even though you've finished with someone you've chosen to finish with them that you still can miss the idea of what you should have had you missed the ideal and that's what it was it wasn't the reality I was missing I was missing what we could have been and it was just really sort of sad that we didn't we didn't realize what what those expectations just before we got married of the happy ever after we didn't we didn't get that and so five years I, I, I think I waited for that whilst at the same time I have to say, having a massively vitriol court battle because, <laughs> oh like, <laughs> yeah. But there's so there's so much there. I because I can totally relate to, you know, a lot of what you said about being getting married and then being like, oh, is this it? Yeah, because I I definitely felt that I felt like there was so much drama in my life before that that we were like dealing with as a couple, like my dad dying and being diagnosed with hearing loss and, you know, both my grandmas died and that we were buying a house and we were getting engaged and all of the, there was lots of stuff happening. And then we got married and it was like, oh, what now? This is it. <laughs> um, so I can definitely relate to that. And I think, I think my dad's death accelerated the process of separation for me because I started learning about myself and, and working through the grief, definitely. But I'm really interested that it took being held at gunpoint for you to decide that you should leave the marriage. It, what makes me laugh is that you're thinking I must have had years of marriage, of years of you know, being unhappy. It wasn't. It was 18 months. I, I mean, I've got no commitment power at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, but that's how long my marriage was. We were together oh for my God. Yeah, eight years overall. and that, But we were actually married for like, yeah, 18 months, two years. Well, we gave it a good go, didn't we? Gave it good innings. Gave, yeah. <laughs> gave it a bit of time. Uh, yeah, it's not my fault they've made divorce so easily and leaving people so easily. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that you were held at gunpoint and then you came home and you were like, right, I need to get out of this. I went to LA to work with Channing Tatum on the script for Magic Mike Life. And then I came home and then I broke up with my... I'll be honest, your story is much better than mine. I thought I could top Trump with a whole extremist at gunpoint held hostage, but you've got Channing Tatum. I can't compete with that. I had a couple of grisly, minging-looking terrorists, you know, attacking me. Not even well-known ones. They were budget ones as well. But I think there's, I think there's something about, you know, being taken out of, like both of us were taken out of our situation, our usual situation. I mean, yes, me with Channing Tatum, slightly different to obviously you being held at gunpoint, which must have been terrifying. But, but I think sometimes when you're just taken out of your normal life for a second, it helps you kind of reevaluate when you go back to it. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree. How do you think that you know, being held at gunpoint and that, you know, with the with the baby crying and everything. How do you think that impacted on your life? Well, I think it was like a almost a near death experience. Yeah. And also the first time in that pregnancy, because nobody really knew, nobody knew in Pakistan that I was pregnant apart from my mum. And so she was like really like kind of coming towards, you know, me, like trying to sort of protect me because nobody knew and she wasn't going to shout it out. And they, not only did they threaten to kill the baby, they beat up my elderly grandmother. Um, and then my mum, they grabbed hold of her hand and they said, where's all your money? Where's your gold? You know, are you a, are you a peasant? And she was really insulted by that <laughs> more than being attacked or, or, or being shouted at. She goes, how dare they call me a peasant? And she goes, I'm not a peasant. Oh and, and, uh, I know, I know. I mean, they, the thing is, it, it, it was horrific, but it, they, you, ha- you know, as a comedian, you'd find the funnies. And there were some hilarious moments as well. You know, we got locked in the toilet because they'd basic, my mum had basically announced that, you know, it looks at you, tell them I, I get really nervous when I need to go to the toilet. I need to go to the toilet. They won't let me go to the toilet. And she's actually trying to negotiate with them. Like, so listen, we have a little break and then we, we, we all go to the toilet and we come back and we can talk about this. Huh? And it's like, no, there's, there's no bloody toilet. There's no comfort breaks in a, in a hostage situation, mum. Do you understand what's happening here? And so it's almost like they thought, right, that's what she wants. They locked all of us in the tiniest room, which is a toilet. And she still had to go. And I, and I do this in my routine. And because she was making so much noise, right, trying to give us some privacy. And, you know, she goes, oh, I'm so nervous. I told you. And it's like, you know, it's like platoon. I shit my feelings. Yeah, shit my feelings. Yeah. And she was, you know, we all started laughing hysterically. And that really fucked with their heads. Because they were like, "Why are you laughing? What's happening?" You know, what, what, and and it, it, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of more or less near the finale of of my um, fights like a girl show. But what it what I mean, you know, and I don't, and I don't want to sort of redo the routine here because it's it's you know it's it, and, and here is a serious conversation. But it is been mine for comedy and and for kind of context and trying to explain how we all do fight for for stuff. And in that moment, I was petrified for this unborn child it was the first time I had that maternal feeling and my mum is sitting there thinking I hope they don't oh my god because they you know they, they do rape women there and and what it was is I'm taller than them so I'm quite quite tall for a Punjabi girl um and they were quite small sort of little sort of hobbit terrorists and um they I think they couldn't they just looked at me thought they're they frightened by me a little bit because I stood up above them but she was frightened of that. I was frightened that they just hit my grandmother and I couldn't stop it. They've hit my mum. I couldn't stop it. If they hit me, if they pushed that gun into my stomach, I could lose my baby. And so it was, I guess, in that moment, fearing for my, not just my life, which I didn't have any value for after my dad died, and suddenly thinking my value mean, my, my life is important. I am important. I have to bring this child into this world and I love this child already. I'm only three months pregnant. Um, and then going back and thinking, I can be unhappy with him just for me, but I cannot 
bring a child into a world where they pick up all this tension and they know that they that, that the parents aren't happy and so that's what made me leave because I didn't if I didn't and I actually it turns out I made a mistake because my son I thought if he doesn't know what it's like to be in a family he can't miss it but actually I was so wrong I created a whole load of new problems there's me with my absent father thinking I want to make sure that this this father has contact with his son, but we just don't have to live together because that's a bad thing for the, this child to grow up with. And my son then turns around and says, "Why well, don't have any siblings? You know, why well, don't have any brothers and sisters? Why, why did you, why did you not make it work?" And he's missing the same thing that I missed: the idea of my dad as I should have had him, the ideal of my father, the relationship that I should have had that I never had, the ideal of my husband of the relationship I should have had, but I never had. And there I am giving the same sort of thing to my son. He's missing the ideal of the mother, father, child, siblings that he never had, but he's missing it. And it was like, oh my God, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Just think that you're doing the best for your kids. You will still make mistakes. And I'm no doubt that, you know, he'll grow up and he'll, you know, make his own mistakes. And I can say, ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, see, it's not just a mama that gets it wrong. Well, you always miss what you don't have. Yeah, it's yeah, so true. true. I can't even imagine what that experience was like. Sounds terrifying. But then you're three months pregnant. You come home from that and you separate. Um, so how old are you at this stage? Oh, we don't talk about ages. Shh. We don't talk about <laughs> young? Young. I'm young? so young. I'm so, so terribly young. No, I'm, 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 okay. So I'm, my dad died the day before my graduation. So I think it's weird because it's like, I think that's at the time that about something being incomplete. I've, I have night, I used to have nightmares. I haven't had any for ages actually. I used to have nightmares that I'm trying to hand in my dissertation and there's a midday deadline and I can't quite make it, can't quite get it. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, I, I totally fucked up a degree. But I didn't. I got you know, a good degree, got two one. It's because I never I never went to the graduation because it was the day after. Um, and so there's that kind of sense of what was the point of that if he wasn't around? What was the point of any of this shit if your humans that you are important to you are not around? And. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So I think I'm young enough to kind of understand that this, this is more important you know, my dad not being around is more important than this. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not wise enough to understand that this this is a rite of passage that we're all going to go through. We're going to lose someone. We all lose people that we love one way or another. And but for me, it felt like a double blow because he'd already left, as I said, me personally, not my mum, not, not because he was pursuing a career, which I actually now looking back think I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he tried to make a difference in the world. He was, you know, he was fighting for what he believed in and was going back to do politics. At the time, it was just like, no one's going to vote for you, daddy. But it was just, you know, he, he believed. And so he's given that to me and I've got that part of him. But I, I, I wasn't wise enough to get that this, this is, this is what I'm feeling is normal and what you're doing by getting married straight away afterwards like that's the day before my dad my dad dies the day before my graduation literally about four months later I get married I didn't understand that you know I'm stuffing my feelings with getting married I don't know you and you said you lost your father as well but it's almost like you try and fill that void with something else so I know I look back now, it's so easy, so easy to read everything. You think, oh my God, that's what you were doing. And that's, you know, but at the time you don't, you don't realize that. You just think I've transferred all the love that I would have given my dad to this man. I want him to fix things like my wanted my dad to fix. I'm just, I just, it, it, it's, it's weird because of course, looking back, that marriage was doomed. I don't know if you, how you feel about your marriage after your dad dying, I don't I don't know if it was doomed. I think if if we had been a better match me and my ex-husband. I think I wanted him to be there for me in a way that he wasn't. And I don't think what I I think it is possible to have been there for me in the way that I wanted someone to. So I think if I'd been with a different person who maybe, you know, now I'm older and wiser, I can see that, you know, would be a better match for whatever reasons of my temperament and their temperament. Um, I think I could have got through it. I think I've seen, um, I've seen friends of mine and obviously you never know the ins and outs of someone's relationship, but I've seen friends of mine and couples get through incredibly hard times together. Um, so I do think it is possible, but I think when some trauma happens, if you're not right together or if things aren't going well, it can really escalate that um, process and um, make things go worse quicker. I think because I think I had a lot of I had a lot of anger about my dad died. You know, my dad. We had the early ceremony so he could be there, but then we'd plan this huge wedding. Um, and on that, my Hindu, cause I had the Hindu before the huge wedding rather than the registry office. Um, so was, I was at my Hindu and it was the, we were staying in Bath and it was just before the big, like going out night and we'd all got dressed up and there was a butler in the bath and <laughs> the, with it. Did you say butler in the buff? Butler in the buff, they're called. Buff, buff, so, yeah, buff. They have oh, because I'm deaf yeah. too, obviously. Obviously, two, two ears deaf for yeah. <laughs> Me too, just yeah. one ear. So, yeah, they had, yeah. Um, so there was, was a man with his bum out serving us drinks and my one of my aunties got very overexcited. Um, and he just left the butler in the buff and we were about to go on this big night out and I got a call from my dad's care home. 
and they said, could I call them urgently? And I couldn't get through. And my so my sister was trying to call them. And then we got through and they said, your dad's dead. Oh, my God. Yeah. So my dad died on my Hendo. So I was like in knee high boots, in a sort of see-through velvet top, a bottle of Prosecco down. Um, and that's when we found out. And luckily it was a kind of good thing that all my friends and family were there because they had been for the Hindu. So everyone sort of rallied around me and my ex-husband, who was my fiance at the time, drove up to Bath to see me. But so there was a lot of trauma before then that big wedding happened. And then I remember I cried before I, I got in my wedding dress on my wedding day and just had a massive cry in the bathroom because my dad wasn't there. And that's even before I walked down the aisle and said, I do. So I think, yeah, there was a lot going on. And yeah, I just felt very alone, which I think you always do in grief. But I perhaps felt like the other party involved wasn't necessarily understanding of those feelings and understanding that, you know, when a parent dies, it's not they're dead, you bury them and move on. It stays around for a long time. So I I can't believe that we've never spoken uh, because there's so many parallels, you know, with our lives here. There's so many parallels. It's really freaky because obviously, um, you know, you said that your your dad died like on on your hen night. and obviously that's devastating. You cried on your wedding day. I remember on my wedding day, and people still remember this about our wedding, he said uh, that that they'd never seen a bride cry so much. So, um, you know, with the Bollywood kind of dramatic things that we have at Asian weddings, what happens is at the end of the, the wedding ceremony, so you have the you have the henna night. So we have the henna night, sort of, which is like the hen night, but without the alcohol. And But a lot, it's almost like, a, you know, like a rap battle, but it's like really bad Hindi singing, you know, like Hindi Punjabi singing. It's like really bad, like, you know, yeah, your wife is going to be like proper fat, you know, when she gets older. And then it's like your mother-in-law's this. And you have, you're know, you playing really amateur tabla drums. And these women who can't sing for their life are sort of having this kind of rap battle. And I remember at the hen night thinking, oh, my God, they're being so horrible about my mom not having that. And or, or about my sister, like I'm going to smash her face. In. You know, I was getting all aggressive. And I, that was a really bad sign because it's supposed to be fun. But my um, wedding day, obviously, my dad had just died recently. And um, there's a scene where you have like, so you, you, you basically now leaving your your father's home. I, they chose the most saddest tune that you can play. Like, you know, you go with your father's prayers and it's 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 just so emotional. It's like a Bollywood film and you say goodbye. It's a symbolic thing. Even though you only go down the road, you say goodbye, you hug everybody. And it's really, and I just could not stop sobbing because my dad wasn't there to give me away. Um, which I look back now, I think that's really patriarchal. Like your dad gives you a way to give you to the man. That's not, that, you know, cause I'm proper feminist now. So I'm like, Oh, that doesn't seem right now. But at the time it was quite symbolic, but I didn't have him there. And I nearly passed out from crying so much. And you look back at the scenes and it's just like a bully feel. I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, play that really fair. Play a place, Julie. Play that quite well. It played that well. They've got the professional warners crying with you as well. Um, but like you, I wanted that partner to help take that pain away. And they're not equipped with it. Because if you haven't gone through it, how can you? And as you like you thinking, well, somebody else could have. And I guess really I made him the keeper of my pain and 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 the healer of that pain. And and he didn't. He couldn't. How could he? You know, grief is something that you is so personal to you. And you need someone to be understanding. I remember, you know, going on our honeymoon and crying, just bursting into tears. Because, you know, you don't cry on cue. Like we get the professional mourners that come around, you know, for 30, 40 days, whatever, after after somebody dies. And they just say, they sit there and they sort of sit with them and say, tell us the story. So you have to keep telling it. And it's quite cathartic because you keep telling the story and it helps you with the grief, grieving process. But the thing is, they won't leave until you cry. So me and my sister would be getting the teas and the samosas out and it's like, look, it's your turn, your turn. Cause like, they're not going to bloody piss off until you, one of us cries, one of us. And I'm like, I'm, I'm spent. I can't do any more. And my sister's there. They says, Oh, so tell us what's happened. It's so awful. Tell us what happened with your dad. And my sister's going in and I'm looking at her like, just do the crying so they can piss off. <laughs> and she can't. So I'm having to sit there like trying to fake these because not because we're evil. We burst out laughing once they left, but because 
it's you know your grief isn't your own grief you cannot cry on demand you cannot bring it out on demand and so I cry on our honeymoon and his response was I never want to see you cry again um you know that's enough now and it was just so dismissive of my pain wow. and anguish and and so that, that after that my grief felt like a burden on our relationship and um like I said I look back and we, you know we're pretty good friends now we spent years and years, absolutely vitriol, you know, eight years altogether in the courts, um, like just fighting back and forth over nonsense. Because after the love comes the hatred, you know, it's guerrilla warfare. It is, it is nothing, you know, Israel-Palestine, it, it, it's, it's horrendous. And, you know, obviously the only people who suffer are the children. It's so nasty. I mean, literally nasty. I can't tell you how bad it got. So now coming full scale, and then, then you get... You get you, you so it's love, hatred, and then indifference, and that's when you're healed. The indifference because you no longer look at that person as someone who, who you loved, who let you down, or someone who's hurt you, or someone you hate. It's just someone that is part of your life because you've created life together. In our case, um, so we like I said, we are on good terms now. We all go to dinner together, um, and we've come a full circle. I'm not sure we've ever had a discussion that I just said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not just not that kind of person that we could have that discussion look like where you went wrong. Because obviously that would mean that I'd have to keep admitting my faults, but you know, he, he's, he's man, so can't commit to his faults, but that's fine. I don't need to, you know, you know I don't need to, to do that. But it, 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 for those who you are going through divorce and it is really painful for you and vitriol and nasty and the kids are affected. All I can say is that is, there is always a healing process I look back and I think I could never have ever imagined ever being in the same room, let alone we've actually had holidays. We've had a couple of holidays uh, where when my son was growing up, it was ridiculous because in, in divorce, the kids like both families try and over chop Trump, spoil the kid, you know, like we love you more, you know, mummy's family don't love you as much as we do. Let us buy you a car, you know, <laughs> when you're only 12 um, and that kind of stuff. So we, I said, look, this is ridiculous because we're both spending money on taking him on holiday. Why don't we pull our resources together and, and give him a holiday? And he's got both his parents there. <coughs> it was awkward, but it was doable. You know, we did it for him. Yeah, it's so interesting you talking about your grief as well, because and, and the fact that your ex said to you, I don't want to see you cry again. That's enough now. I guess I feel like in my marriage, those words were said internally and never <laughs> never voiced but um i definitely felt that vibe and and you're right the th you know they no one else can heal you you have to heal yourself but i think if someone can just be there while you do that and and support you that's that's all you need really um yeah i think he was trying to be helpful to be fair to him i think he didn't say it to be malicious he was trying to be helpful but the problem is um it's you expect you know, you, even today, we know a lot more than we did back then about how, you know, um, grief counselling, you know, all sorts of things. I know yours is a bit more recent, but I think if you, grief is something that people are very scared of. Other people around you are very scared of how to be around you. They're very awkward. Um, I remember making it right for a lot of people that came to say, pay their respects because I knew I could feel their discomfort because I thought, in your shoes, I'd be exactly the same. And I have been ever since, even though I've been through that process. I'm rubbish with other people's grief. I don't know, you know, there's no, there's no expertise. So why would your partner be any different? Why would your, why are we having all these expectations of our partner to fix that grief? And I can only say that on hindsight, because at the time I was just like, you know, you don't give a shit about me. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you, you are a vile human being. How can you not possibly feel my pain? I can say that now, you know, on hindsight, I get that. I've got that wisdom now, but I didn't have it at the time. It just really, really hurt, which I'm sure you must have felt the same way. It's just really painful. It's more pain. It adds more pain to the pain you're already feeling to someone to dismiss your feelings like that. Yeah. And do you think, do you think there's a parallel there as well in, you know, other people, reacting to your grief over the loss of someone and other people reacting to your divorce because I had some weird old reactions to my divorce oh god yeah you see that that's the thing and, I, and like so obviously when 18 months 
later I, I leave my husband, um, I'm also, I'm grieving for us. I'm grieving for my dad still. And the only light on that tunnel comes when my son is born. But by that time, I've got, you know, postnatal depression. I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm barely functioning. But he's, he's, the, he's the reason I got every morning to get up. Um, but how do people, are people react? They, within the Asian community, it's very strange because they always blame the woman. You know, they always blame the woman. It's like something she must have done. It's something, you know, there's something wrong with her. Um, it, it, it's, but luckily I've got a very strong mum who brought us up to be quite um, kind of dismissive of what the community thinks. Like she really didn't give a shit. Like she brought us up the way she wanted to bring us up. And actually that made us really fierce. And so I do not need affirmation from anyone, which is thanks to her to kind of, so when people did say that, it, it, it just didn't bother me. But that, that's the thing that they use to control you in the community sort of. And I, I might have been, had I lived within that, I might have been forced to go back or, or make it work. But like I said, I didn't care about them trying to force me. I, I cared about him fighting for us, me and his child. I wanted him to change, to fight, to be different and to create that ideal I had of what our married life should be like. I didn't give a shit about anybody else. And he, he, he didn't, five years, he didn't do anything. But then why would he? Because I never told him that's what I wanted. So come on. <laughs> like, why would he know? Because, you know, men, they don't read minds. They can't read. They can't understand when you tell them completely in front of them. This is what I want you to do, A, B and C. Can you put the toilet seat down? They don't understand basic things. Why would he then think, ah, oh, she probably wants me to fight for us. <laughs> When I haven't said anything, you know, and all I do is just shout at him when I do see him. You know, it's just, why would that make any sense? Um, and of course, in, in a breakdown of relationship, one thing that was very, very healing for me, and I see my friends who've been through divorces recently, and they're not there yet, is to own your own part. That is so important in the healing process. People don't realise it because it's all beca it becomes about blame. And it was very much in those those vitriol years, I'd say, those eight years vitriol, to get my story is the only story you need to listen to. And I'm sorry, there's the bitches code, right? There's a bitches code where your friends, they have to listen to your side of the story <laughs> and only your side. And that is the truth and the reality. And if you don't, you're going to be cut out of my life, you know, because we do, there is this, like, that's what we need. You need you to, it's like, you have to be like a counselor. You have to accept that, you know, I'm the important one here not the other part. I don't want to hear, oh yeah, but he's probably missing his son as well. Yeah. No, no, his <laughs> side, just my side. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's also, again, wisdom and hindsight. But I do think that it, you, 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 no matter how bad it gets, no matter how ugly it gets between you, you've got to sort of realise that it, one day that ends because it's exhausting keeping that vitriol up, keeping that anger up, keeping that hatred up, it's exhausting. And finally you have to sort of stop and rest and think, okay, we're done now. We're done with this. We part this to one side, which luckily we, you know, me and my ex have, and we are at a place where, you know, we have got an understanding. And ironically, he said, when we first met, he said, oh, um, you know what? I want us to be friends first. We went on the first few days and instead of kissing me goodnight, he would shake my hand, which I thought was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sort of trying to mount him. Come on, <laughs> you know. But um, I, I'm joking, uh, son. I didn't say that. Um, but yeah, no. He, we, we would, you know, he would shake my hand and said, "I just think it's really important that we become friends because if all else fails, we'll always have our friendship." And it was like. I wanted to, when, when in the middle of those ritual years, I was like, well, that was a pile of shit, wasn't it? That <laughs> <laughs> was a bullshit. It was a lie, total lies, because <laughs> we're not friends now, but we are, we are now. It's yeah. so interesting that you say that about, you know, friends who haven't got to that point yet of, of noticing that, that, you know, there's two, two people in any relationship. And it's funny because hearing you say that made me want to go, no, I, I'm there. I know that I did things wrong. Um, and I do know that. And I think, uh, but I think I'm not there yet still. I yeah, think, um, yeah. I think, I, I guess because we sort of had this mutual decision to break up. So we both wanted to break up for our own reasons. 
I guess mine is slightly clearer in that, you know, there's not one awful thing he did that I can be like, that, that is what ended our marriage. Um, and we both have kind of obviously different stories to tell. So I can definitely appreciate that. And I want, I want to convince you that I'm there, but I know I'm not, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> no, but I get that. I get that. Because like I said, I've seen friends go through similar things and you think, you're not there. You're not ready to accept that. And that's fine. You can't force that along. And, and it's a weird thing because there's always a point when you split up with someone where you always go back to the point and that is why we split up. That is why. And then years later, you think, what was the reason? What was the act? Was it really that? And it's just, I think it's accumulation of things. I think the death of a marriage is when first you stop communicating your feelings, which is what happened with us. We did not communicate our feelings, what was really going on. He'd say things like just a sweeping thing. Oh my God, you're not happy. You're not happy, are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. But I can't tell him that. Of course I am. Of course I am. <laughs> because it was, he's asking me in a way where it's, he's making me re- like, obviously I have to reassure him. And so you're not really communicating your feelings. That's where it, for, I think a relationship first starts to go down. Secondly, the, the small stuff, the small stuff, we start holding on to that. And that's always a dangerous thing. I think, I don't know where, like, then there's a the big stuff. Small stuff hides the big stuff. The big stuff, I think, for you and I was obviously them failing to be there for our grief, you know, for them failing to heal us, to to cure that pain. And so you see that person then as part of the pain. Like I can't, I can't get rid of my ex without thinking about my dad because it was so closely linked together. The fact that I'm crying on my wedding day, the fact that you're crying on your hen night. You know, there's, 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 so they all becomes entwined and that pain can kind of almost be catching because the grief catches your husband and the relationship again, that kind of makes it all, you know, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but generally when I see my friends kind of split up in marriages, they, 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 this, this, you know, the worst thing, please. And I know I've been guilty of it in the past is never slag off your partner in front of the kids. I can't. I know I was in a, obviously my parents split up and my mum was angry at my dad and she didn't want us to not contact him or anything, but she was angry at him. We picked that up. I know that even though I didn't say anything, my son's picked up my anger, resentment. He felt it. And I'm very, very, very guilty about that. I feel very pained about that, that I've caused that. But I, that's one thing I can say is like, whatever, how much hatred you're feeling for your partner please, please never say it in front of the kids because it will affect them no matter how much you think it's not. We all want them to be on our side. They're already on your side. They just happen to be on their side as well. They happen to love both of us and they deserve both of us. And so that is my parting thing. Is like that, that's what I would say is where I went wrong. And I tried very hard not to be that mum, but they will never, ever forget the pain that you've caused them, the children by making you choose by your parents. And it is Sophie's choice. They can't choose. They love us both. Good advice. I don't have children, but I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Um, I just wondered to wrap things up. Do you remember a your lowest moment? And then we'll talk about a nice moment. Um, yeah, lowest moment. Uh, my son's school, he's in reception and um, I have... I had the grief of my dad, grief of my marriage breaking down. My uncle, who's like a second dad, he's just passed away. Uh, and I've just been going, going, going. I think my son's about five years old. And um, I'm at five or six years old. I'm at the school playground and I just, I've got nothing left. And I fell to my knees as he walked. I saw him going into the class. And when he's gone, all the parents are leaving and I just couldn't move. I fell to my knees and I started, uh, my friend said that I was making animal noises and um, and I just had a breakdown. I just couldn't take any more. It was an accumulation of, you know, all these things that had happened that I hadn't dealt with, that the hostage thing, that, you know, post-traumatic stress from that, from the marriage breaking down, my dad dying, you know, my uncle dying, bringing up a child of my own, all the stresses and tribulations, all the court cases, everything just came to a head. And I finally sought some help um, because I, you know, I realised that I couldn't just function. So I got some counselling, I got some grief um, counseling, which also helped with the breakdown of the marriage kind of discussion, because you don't realize how closely that, um, you know, a bereavement of a loss of someone dying to a loss in a relationship, how connected they are. 
and that pain. And so I got a lot of things resolved. Uh, I then I went and did a landmark forum and 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 you know f- followed it even further. And then I then connected with my ex and said, "Look, I'm just sorry that I, I made you wrong for a lot of things. This and owning my part of it. Of course, he never opened in, but we didn't expect him to. But that's just, that's why it's important to heal from yourself. It's like you know to cover your own stuff. So that's the that's the lowest moment when I cr- you know crashed and burned at my son's school. I I'd just been kind of going on empty. Um, and the highlights, did you say? Well, yeah, just a moment you thought, oh, I'm going to be okay. This is all right. I think the first time that I suggested we go on a, on a holiday together, um, you know, we're, we're apart, but we've gone and made an effort. We've actually behaved like grown-ups. We're not behaving like little brats that we were before. And it's like, yeah, you know what? We're proper grown-ups now. We can do this. Look at that. Look how fucking cool we are. You know, we're, we're going on holiday. We're, we're divorced. We're not together anymore. We've gone on holiday with our son. We're doing different things together. Oh my God, we are so, we are so cool. We are so, so grown up. And of course, within an Asian community, that's really like, oh my God, they were divorced and they went on a, on a, on another honeymoon together with their child. You know, <laughs> uh, I was always tempted to pretend I was pregnant when I came back just to wind them up. <laughs> but um yeah, so that that was like, yeah, we're going to be okay because we've come through this, and we're we're beginning to start seeing things on the same page again, like you did when you first fall in love. But this isn't love now; this is indifference, and that indifference page is actually a fresh start. And we're we're gonna we're gonna be okay, and we have been okay. Touch with we've been, you know, I can't, I, I don't. That's why I don't want to say anything negative about me because he he's you know he's a great dad. Um, he loves you know our son and um. You know, he he's 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 been a good friend, and um, and I wish him only the best, and and his his happiness intrinsically linked in with mine because if he's unwell or unhappy, that affects our son, and that affects me. So I've now come to that conclusion. Look at how grown up I am, everybody! Oh my you god, seem very grown up. I'm like wow, very grown up. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm always properly grown up. All all I always want to know what to. Yeah, I think I even know what I want to do when I grow up now because I still have that. <laughs> imposter syndrome in comedy is it be on the divorce club is that what you want to do when you've grown up now i grow up i'd know i don't want to ever really get married again because i realized that's not actually something for me um and i'm really pretty much kind of happy on 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 my own i'm not saying never to rule it out but it seems to be like people feel sorry for you because if you're single it's like i know i choose to be single trust me i'm you know, I'm still got it. I could get, I could get, I could get them if I wanted to. I could get them <laughs> even at my crusty old age, you know, I could do it during lockdown, not wearing bras or, or, or makeup or having a bath. I could still get them. Any advice for anyone listening who can relate to your story or is maybe in that vitriol time during, during court battles and stuff? What would you say? I would just say that it feels like it's never going to come to an end. You feel like you're trapped. I mean, at one point I was thinking, I, I, I begged my brother for some money. I said, can you just give me, can you, give me, can you get hold of £20,000 for me? He said, what the hell? What do you want £20,000 for? That was ridiculous. I said, I need to run away. Where are you going to run away to? Australia. Because you're not taking our nephew to Australia. That was ridiculous. You don't know anybody there. It was a ridiculous idea. Stupid thing to say. But um, you feel like there's no escape. I would just say, persevere and you know get through it and definitely seek out counseling if you can you know specialists make sure you're talking about stuff it you do get to the other end if I can have eight years of a vitriol court battle where we just literally hated each other and then we're now we're friends we've gone on holidays and stuff and we, we really are you know we, we, I care about him I know he cares about me in, in a different way it will get to that point and just carry on talking to someone don't let it drown you great advice and where can people find out more about you and follow you and things well uh, i have a uh, a live twitter um uh, stream and show called let's kill twitter it's we have a couple of guests on every uh, every week with julian hall my co-host um it's uh, at lkt zoom at LKT Zoom. You can find out more about that. It's on alternate Sundays. I think we've got Ian Dale and Rialina for the next one in a fortnight's time. Um, and I'm at Sajila Kersey, S-A-J, 
double E-L-A-K-E-R-S-H-I at Sajila Kershi. Um, and yes, you can catch my uh, uh, Zoom events and live events uh, and follow me and, and stalk me. I'm happy for you to do that. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy talking about stuff that I've never talked about in years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing, the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts so if you'd like to leave a review I'd love you forever you can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well I'll take all the reviews you've got to give you can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.